Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. Last week, I forgot to hit the record button, but I nailed it this time. Good for me. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Coming up today on the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast, Ridley Gregg and Zach Ostapchuk making their marks early for Team Canada. We'll talk about summertime in the Atlantic. This week, I've got the Boston Bruins. Greg will tell me in a moment what he has. Lots going on, certainly, for the Boston Bruins. Get some NHL news as well. Some tough news for former Toronto Maple Leaf Boria Salming. Jacob Truba gets the captaincy in New York with a bit of controversy there. And Max Pacioretty out six months with an Achilles in injury. And this week, I sat down with the newest Ottawa Senator, Claude Giroux. We're doing a magazine feature for Faces Magazine. So I spent about two hours with the Giroux's this past Sunday morning. And uh, that was pretty cool stuff. So we'll talk about that as well. Maybe play a clip or two from that interview. Thank you for being with us. We hope you enjoy the show. Again, it's Steve along with the coach, Greg Kennedy. How are things, Greg? It's Christmas in August, Steve. The world juniors are on. It's like Boxing Day. <laughs> it's so, so <laughs> weird. weird. Totally and, weird. And, and I have to apologize publicly. I was late getting to the recording here today because I completely lost track of time watching Canada struggling to score goals against Latvia. It got me thinking about, and this that, sh that game will be long over before the, anybody hears this, but it, it got me to thinking, you know, Canada struggling along was it 1-1 in the second period about 2014 in Sochi where Canada got Latvia. They outshot Latvia, Canada did, and that's a dream team now. This isn't a, a team of non-NHLers. This was an NHL dream team in 2014, and in the quarterfinals, they damn near lost to Latvia, falling or winning the game by a count of two to one, and uh, and again outshot them by a thousand. Christers <laughs> Gudlevskis, Gudlevski, good love, good love. I don't know. Anyway, he, uh, he he popped up and had a cup of coffee with the Tampa Bay Lightning, but that was back in 2014, and he's now playing in the Swedish Elite League. But that's what that. Uh, when you said, because I was preparing here for the show diligently, had, hadn't even gazed at the game yet. Uh, when you told me that it was a close game, I said, that reminds me of 2014. Anyway, that's a sideline yeah. note. Anyway, uh, how do they look? Do they, are they playing okay? Oh, yeah. No, they look great. They outshot them like 17 to 5 or something in the first period. But it was they gave up a goal off a of two-on-two late in the first, and it's 1-1. And, of course, the Canadian goal scored by Connor Bedard. The two senators look good. Zach Ostapchuk, Ridley Gregg, apparently looks like he's the face-off guy. That'll be interesting in, in his career with the senators when you've already got Shane Pinto here. But uh, Ridley Gregg taking a lot of defensive zone draws. They, they, they look good. Team looks good. We'll just get the offense going and we'll be fine, I guess. Yeah. I think Ostapchuk's uh, naturally a center when he's playing in Vancouver. Uh, so they got lots of guys who can play center. And that includes Claude Giroux, who we'll talk about in just a second. What's the crowd looking like right now? Because I mean, yeah, that's what caught me off guard. Like it's not sold out. Like hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of people wearing blue plastic seats for for <laughs> costumes out there. It looked it looked really strange for a World Junior hosted in Canada and not sold out. I'm I'm waiting for somebody in the broadcast to say something about it. Maybe tell us what's going on. Like is there some sort of a a backlash amongst the fan base that they don't want to. They they want to I don't know they're, they're protesting against Hockey Canada I don't know it was just really strange Steve it's not a sellout 
Yeah, I think the Hockey Canada scandal is a big part of it. When we get off the air and you get back to the game, have a look at the rink board advertising. The advertising yeah. is uh, way, way down. Um, so I think a lot of advertisers kind of went the other direction for obvious reasons. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that factors into a, a fan's decision as well, potentially. Not to mention it's you know summertime. You know, mm-hmm. we, we we invested our lives in the sport throughout uh, the entire winter months and, and beyond most of the spring as well, you want to spend a little time outside. And so being asked to go back in on a hot August evening, that's a bit of an ask, I got to say, especially when it's only Latvia. If this mm-hmm. is Canada versus the U.S., I don't think there'd be an empty seat in the house. You're probably right. And yeah, I noticed the advertising you mentioned when I was watching the U18s there last week and the commercials are different. Now I've, I've, keep seeing this one about why I need to have a generator like they, they've uh, whatever that generator company is they're they're big in the sponsorship now with hockey Canada over the U18s and now the U20s yeah generator's not a bad idea there's no doubt about Whoa. that especially with you all this know. uh well the climate change stuff they're saying there's gonna be a lot more storms and things you want to be ready you want to be ready um, Greg and Ostapchuk, let's get back to them for a second. Mm-hmm. Greg would be given, I think, and at least an outside chance of making this team. And, uh, for team Canada, I mean, it, it was amazing to hear Dave Cameron, the head coach. It was amazing to see, hear the Canadian captain, Mason McTavish, just raving about the two way play and the edge that Ridley Greg plays with when Greg was, I think, I don't think we've heard a lot about it. But I think he has more penalty minutes than anybody on Team Canada right now in terms of their junior season or NCAA season last year. And uh, and he he basically uh, just absolutely wiped out a guy. I think it was, uh, I don't know if they played in their exhibition game. Was it Sweden? I know he, um, he just yeah. knocked a guy out of the game with a big, big hit. He's not that big. He certainly plays a big game. It reminded me a little bit maybe of Mike Pekka, who was a buzzsaw and didn't mind throwing his body around, but you wonder about longevity if a guy's going to play that way without having that really thick body. Yeah, and I've I've heard that comparison too. I've heard I've, I've read others. I think maybe it was Scott Wheeler saying he's a he's a Michael Pecka type. But it's it's um it's a part you need in your team. You need a shift disturber, a, a guy who plays both ends of the ice and has a little bit of a an edge to him, or in this case, maybe a bigger edge to him than than most guys. And um. It wasn't an exhibition game with the Sens where he nailed somebody from behind too, or boarding call as well. He got he got suspended in the exhibition season uh, last year as well. Um, but hey, y- you need that. You need all kinds of guys, and if he can play and produce and play with that edge, all the more power to him. That that just makes him look that much better in the center lineup. I think. Yeah, if memory serves, it was just a case of I think Pierre Luc Dubois was bearing down on him, and he got his stick up in his face. Yeah, basically, he saw him coming and he prepared himself. And basically, yeah, I was going to say he uh, ate longer, but uh, that's an old school reference. And uh, he ate composite. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, Dubois, I think, was bloodied on the play. And I don't think he's uh, I don't think Greg has served that suspension as of yet. So he's got edge. And I think that'll help him make the team. I mean, because right now, I mean, there's almost no edge, maybe a little when you look at Travis Hamannick but there really isn't any edge on the blue line. And there's not a ton up front. That fourth line certainly has some. I look at Austin Watson. Parker Kelly's just not that big a guy. He's a gamer. He goes all day, but I don't know how how many big checks he's going to be throwing out there. But uh, no, I I think there's certainly opportunity knocks because 
you know, if you have your druthers, even your bottom six guys, if you have your druthers, you want them to be able to chip in once in a while, a little secondary scoring, and he can certainly do that. Yeah, like I'm picturing him as being sort of a Zach Smith with a little more skill. You know, can provide some offense that Zach Smith struggled to provide regularly. I mean, he did uh, when he played with better players. But if Ridley Gregg is a Zach Smith was a little more skill, you know, I'll, I'll take him on my team every day. Ostapchuk was actually going into the uh, first game. I think he was seen as the uh, as the 13th forward, but moved his way up in the lineup. And he's actually a line mate with Ridley Gregg right now. So uh, it will be fun to watch those guys play for Team Canada, see how they're evolving. Because uh, as a coach, Greg, I'm sure you'll agree, it's one thing to be really, really good in the Western Hockey League. But when you're in a best-on-best scenario, then you start to learn a little bit more about the player and his potential NHL readiness, right? Yeah, like you're checking a box just by the fact that the kids made the team. And then uh, this, in the case of uh, Ostapchek, he's as you just said, he's climbed the roster. The original release, he was listed as 13th. And he's been playing a regular shift here within the within the 12. And he's a guy that plays both ends of the ice. The, the quote-unquote 200-foot game, physicality, produces offensively, had a hell of a playoff run for Vancouver. He's And and he's he's kind of like a Greg with a little more size. He looks like he plays with an edge to him as well and, and some offensive upside. And it just, it's just one more, like it, it's one thing to make the trades that the Senators made acquiring draft picks and, and you know, trading out all these multi-millionaire players that they weren't going to sign. But it's a whole other thing to then turn those draft picks into something. And it looks like they've done a good job, at, at least with these two draft choices. I don't know if Ostapchuk was even on anybody's radar at the end of the regular season, but what he did in the first two rounds of the playoffs, particularly the first round when uh, they upset the number one seed as Vancouver went in as the eight, uh, I think that opened some eyes with the evaluators with Team Canada. In the regular season, he was pretty good. 26 goals, 43 points in 60 games. But not the eye-popping stuff that would say Team Canada necessarily. But on into the mm-hmm. playoffs, 23 points in 12 games. It was, uh, yeah, and, and then at, at the most important time, like we what we've been talking about, that's when you, you get the best out of the kid. That bodes well for the Sens' future there as well. Well said. Yeah, it's, it's a matter of, of climbing. And is your game, is your level of play going to rise uh, as the level of competition and the the stakes of the game rise? As you just said, to go from regular season, you then go to playoffs, everything rises a little. You go to the second round of the playoff, it rises even more. You're now on a world junior team, it's risen again. You know, he steps into an American League game next year, it's going to rise again. Well, probably not next year. But just the idea that, Every step along the way, the kid is 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 just continuing to flourish and get better and better. Down the road, these two guys are going to look pretty good in a Senator uniform. Claude Giroux is going to look awfully good in an Ottawa Senator uniform. According to Pierre Dorian, he's been thinking of this for about four years. He actually said to Eugene Melnick at some point four years ago that when that guy's contract expires, I want in on Claude Giroux, Inc., effectively. And uh, four years later... It came to fruition, but a large part of that is obviously, you know, I, I liken the NHL free agency market, Greg, to um, like a fishing trip, and the Sens generally miss the boat. <laughs> so, and that's historically, but this mm-hmm. time they had the right bait for the right player. You talk about checking boxes. The Ottawa Senators checked a lot 
of Claude Giroux's boxes, starting with, okay, you're willing to pay me what I want. Then you've got the factor of a week earlier, you kind of proved to me that you're serious here by acquiring Alex Debrinkit and Cam Talbot, who were both with me at the All-Star game. I was the MVP of the All-Star game, though, just for the record. And then the last thing, the hometown thing. This is where his family is. This is where his friends are. This is where his wife grew up. And uh, this is where they spend their summers. So now it's 24-7, effectively. They are full-time Ottawa residents. So very cool that uh, the Sens... I mean, is it the biggest free agent signing of all time? I think Dominic Hasek would be the only other guy with maybe that cachet, but he only lasted a year, and it went badly because of the injury at the Olympics. I don't know. I'm happy to put this one as number one among Sen's free agent signings all time. How about you? Yeah, it's a, it's above Hasek. It's above uh, Kovalev. It's above Gonchar. Uh, there's, there's a couple others here and there, but this is, as far as um, – Close to prime National Hockey League player. I think that the situation around it, the the record the last couple of years, the in-house problems, all that sort of crap, and yet you managed to get this guy to come here, that makes it even more impressive in, in my mind. Because, yes, he'd like to play at home. But you know what? Toronto's not that far from home. Montreal's not that far from home. He had other options. Um, at least uh, you, maybe you know better than I, you just sat down with him, but um, he would have had other options and he chose to come here. And that, that speaks volumes to uh, at least his belief in what the senators are doing and what Pierre Dorian's plans all about. Yep. Yeah. As you mentioned, I did sit down with him for about, uh, well, it was off and on where to, uh, so basically what happened uh, for faces magazine, we're doing a feature article on the Giroux family. So it was Claude, his wife, Ryan, and the two boys, Gavin and Palmer, they're age three and one. And so uh, they came to the uh, Brook Street and there was a photo shoot. And I had a chance to spend, I, I talked to Claude for probably an hour straight in there uh, with breaks for photography and things and breaks because, you know, the boys were running about. Very energetic pair there for sure. But mm-hmm. yeah, we talked about everything. We talked about family. We talked about the Ottawa Senators. We talked about um, his history in the league, his childhood. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I thought, uh, because I have to obviously have to save it because it was a faces assignment, but uh, I'll play a clip here. And that I asked Claude Giroux um, if uh, when he's making this decision, is it coming relentlessly from all your golf buddies, for example, mm-hmm. just hassling him over and over again? And he replied to that. Were they on you saying, you got to sign here, buddy? You got to sign here. <laughs> like my buddies from back home, you mean? Well, here in Ottawa in the summertime, I mean. Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people that did some jokes. Like, hey, come to Ottawa and kind of laughed it out. But in the back of my mind, I knew it was probably a, uh, a, a chance of that. But uh, I remember at the All-Star game last year, uh, Brady Kachup came up to me. I never really met him before. And then he came up to me he goes uh, I was told to be nice to you this weekend so you can uh, maybe come come with us next year <laughs> just as a joke and didn't even think of anything of it and um, you know but you know just since then just never thought it would actually happen but uh, here I am well, first of all do you know anybody on the team like did you have any pre-existing friendships on the existing Ottawa Senators roster no, not really. Okay. I don't. Uh, I don't know. A lot. I I know some of the guys from skating in the summer, but uh, it's not like we go to dinner or play golf together. Yeah. So um, I'm not a guy that kind of likes to be buddies with 
other players on other teams. Yeah, uh, yeah, I understand. But uh, yeah, I know I'm I'm excited to uh, to meet everyone. I heard it's a great locker room. Um, I heard it from other guys, and uh, you know, any, anytime you're coming to a new locker room, it was my first time in Florida to kind of walk into a locker room not knowing a lot of people and kind of trying to fit in. And so to start a season with a new team, it's it's exciting and um, it's it's just a challenge that I'm I'm looking forward to. So there's Claude Giroux. Uh, I had a conversation with him at the Brook Street Hotel uh, on Sunday morning, and he mentioned Brady Kachuk there. We also talked about leadership. And, uh, and how maybe his time with the Florida Panthers, and you deal with this as a coach all the time, I'm sure, when you have new guys coming into rooms, it's uh, no matter what their status is, whether they're the worst player on the team or whether they're the best, you know, you've been, Claude Drew's been a captain for a decade in the NHL, and uh, he had to go to the Florida Panthers, a very good team, and figure out where he fits. And that'll probably serve him well coming to Ottawa when he has to once again do the same thing and figure out how he can help out Brady Kachuk, a guy who's 12 years younger than him, uh, how he can help him lead, how he can be a sounding block for Brady Kachuk. So it's going to be an interesting transition for him, isn't it? Yeah, but, uh, you know, a leader is a leader no matter where you put him. Like Claude Giroux would be the leader on his Tiddlywinks team. If, you know, if he's a true leader, no matter where he goes, he, he would be the guy in charge. People would defer to him. In, in all matters. I think in this case, he he probably has the proper mindset because he's been a leader and because he's been a Florida, he now understands how to take a less less vocal role. And he, I, I can see him acting as a mentor for Brady and the, the leadership mentor with the guy whispering in his ear once in a while or the two of them sitting down for dinner and talking about things before the season starts, about team building activities, about off-ice stuff, about... Uh, uh, routines within the dress room and how things are going to work from a leadership standpoint. I can certainly see Brady leaning on him and I could see Claude Giroux, a man of his personality uh, being the type of guy who would take on that role and not foist himself into the situation. I think that that's my read is that he will, he will probably relish this and, uh, and help Brady and, and be a mentor and probably wear an A. I look forward to seeing him play. I look forward to reading your article, Steve. It's coming out in early September in Faces Magazine, so look for that on uh, wherever magazines can be found. All right, moving on. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. Things have gone quiet. It's quiet. Too quiet this summer after a crazy start July 13th to the free agent frenzy and the deals that happened before that. Sen's gone, uh, Pierre Dorian gone wild, basically. But obviously, it's quieted down a little bit. It almost feels like uh, Pierre Dorian is maybe going to take five seconds to have a summer with his family and do a little golfing. But uh, I'm sure the phones are still being worked wherever he is, whether it's on a boat or on a golf course. And Jeff Chikrin's name, Jeff. Jeff. My God. Jacob. Hey, Jacob, thank you. Jacob Chikrin. That's his dad, ladies and gentlemen, in case you didn't know. <laughs> Jacob Chikrin. Still in the mix as a guy that might be out there. Uh, Simmer tweeted about that uh, this week, and and I think we both agree that uh, it, it's probably just too much right now. They're just asking way, way too much because they don't need to move Chikrin right now. They're in rebuilding everything, and Chikrin may or may not have asked for a trade at this stage, maybe even to the Ottawa Senators. These are all the reports that are out there, but uh, 
you know, Simmer's feeling was that uh, Pierre Dorian is being smart, he's being patient, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and I would agree totally that, that the price is really high right now, and I got to believe that the price will come down. The longer you are not, it, think of yourself trying to sell your used car, your, your even your house. You know, you start at a number, and you don't get it for the first week. You don't get it the second week. You don't get it after a month. What do you do? You drop the price. Like that's what's going to happen here. It's what happens in any sport with the trading of, of athletes. The price will come down. The question is how far will it come down and what is Arizona looking for? Like if it's going to happen today, it would probably cost one of the aforementioned Ridley Gregg or Zach Ostapchuk. It would probably cost you one of uh, the, the two defensemen and Lassie Thompson or JBD. It would probably cost you a first round draft pick like that. The asking price is high. So the longer you wait, the more patient you are. The price goes down. They call you back. Everything circles around again. And maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying that that, uh, I agree with Simmer. The patience being shown here to wait for the right price to make your deal is is the right way to go about things. Any concern the chicken's a left shot? No, not at all. I, I, I just, I don't. Like, I know everybody talks about this, and I, I, maybe is it is the whole idea of Brandstrom not playing the right side, is that because DJ doesn't, is, is, you know, set in stone, left shots play left and right shots play right? Or is that, is it a personal specific thing to Eric Brandstrom? That's what we don't know. Uh, I'd almost love to see them get Chikrin so that we can find out one way or the other. Is it because the guy shot left or is it because you don't think he can play on the right? You get a Chikrin here and he plays on the right side, then we know what the answer is. It was more about Eric Branstrom than it was about lefty-righty. Yeah. I sometimes think that DJ Smith gets blinders on when it comes to certain players. You go back, even, you know, Artem Zub, going back to his uh, first two weeks mm-hmm. in the league, he was a healthy scratch so that uh, Josh Brown and Braden Coburn could play hockey in the NHL. And uh, in hindsight, that looks crazy. I thought Christian Yaros was never really given a fair shake. Um, You know, and and maybe Brandstrom falls into that category as well. He certainly isn't. uh, DJ Smith himself was a big, robust NHL defenseman. It's not uncommon for us in, in all walks of life to surround yourself with people like you. And I'm sure that that applies to some degree to uh, the evaluation process of a hockey player when you're a coach. Anyway, um, enough on Chikrin. We need to take a time out of the program. But coming back, we're going to get to summer in the Atlantic. I've got the Boston Bruins. And who do you have today? I have the Leafs. Right. It's time for the Leafs. Yes. Okay, we'll get to summer in the Atlantic in just a moment. First, though, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to remind you that the show is brought to you by Jim K. Ford, otherwise the name the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast wouldn't make a lick of sense. And Jim K. Ford, if you're thinking about a nice used vehicle for the summer and you're a little uncertain about it right now, you want to make a smart choice. Jim K. Ford removes all of your worries. Jim K. Ford is Ottawa's certified pre-owned Ford dealer. How about a 12-month, 20,000-kilometer limited warranty coverage, history report of the vehicle, Purchase financing rates from 1.99%, 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. That is peace of mind. Check out JimKFord.com. They're at 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans. All right, I started last week, and there's the Jaws music. It's time for summer in the Atlantic. I've got the Boston Bruins, but I'll let you lead it off today. Get them out of the way, because I despise (laughs) them so. The Toronto Maple Leafs, Greg. 
Well, a lot of uh, off-season changes in Toronto and Maple Leaf land, but that seems to be the par for the course with the Leafs. I think the biggest news was the extensions to Giordano and, and Lilgren on defense, especially Giordano basically working for minimum wage, really freed up uh, some cap space. Um, the re-signing of uh, Pierre Engvall, uh, the acquisition of Matt Murray in goal, like all new goaltending with Murray and Samsonov because uh, Campbell's gone. Of course, uh, uh, Michael Hutchison, remember him? He went off to <laughs> Vegas. Um, and help me out. What's the guy's now? I can't think of the other guy's name. It was terrible for them this year. Came oh, for Toronto? Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Came over from Carolina. He's gone. What's his came name? Came over from Carolina. Peter uh, Mazaros. No, not Mazaros. Oh, yeah. Uh, Peter Mrazek. Uh, Mrazek. Yeah. He's he's gone. Of course, Jason Spezza retired, and you see him on TV now scouting tournaments. Josh Hosang has gone off to Europe. The, I think the loss of Labushkin and the loss of Mikheyev will make a difference for the Leafs. Labushkin signed to Buffalo, Mikheyev signed to Vancouver. That was a name that was out there for Ottawa at some point mm-hmm. that uh, maybe Ilya Mikheyev was going to sign here. Uh, Kasha up front went to Carolina, but it's the guys coming in that don't look so promising, Steve. That's what's making you happy, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, Obey Kubel, the, he of the dropping of the Stanley Cup is in up front. But it's the guys in the blue line, like Jordy Ben and Victor Mete. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that thinking, really? Is that going to be what your answer is back there? I'm not I'm not convinced that Yarncroc uh, there coming over from Calgary is going to help out up front. They've still got to sign Rasmus Sandin. So a lot of changes there in Toronto, and I don't know that they're any better. I, I think they're probably worse right now. And uh, we'll, we'll, you know, it remains to be seen when the season starts. But for now, I think they're worse. What are you thinking? Oh yeah, they'll they'll be last overall in the NHL, and uh, they're the worst team I've ever seen. Uh, I think they'll take a slight step back with that goaltending. I don't really think there's much there, to be honest. I mean, let's be honest. The Sens have been a bad team the last couple of years, and you decided we needed their goalie. That's the guy we need. Just completely ignoring that the Pittsburgh Penguins came to the conclusion that this guy was leaking oil, even though he's got two Stanley Cup rings and he played great for them in those postseasons. He's been leaking oil for a while. Then the Ottawa Senators, they decided, well, maybe maybe we can salvage something there. He's still so young. He's just 26, at least when they signed him. And they decided after two years, no, nope, nothing there, to the point where a non-playoff team for the last five years paid you guys to take this guy away and gave you draft picks to take this guy away. And you really think that's going to be the answer and goal? Are you high? He played junior for uh, you know both those guys in Sault Ste. Marie. Dubis was the GM there, and the head coach was Sheldon Keefe. But uh, I'm sorry, he can't live in the past. His past was excellent. Two Stanley Cups, man, that's beautiful. But time marches on, and we all change. Some to the good, some to the bad. And for Matt Murray, it's been to the bad. And I don't expect, you know, you get a little odd. We probably have the odd game where you go, you go, wow, well, he's fantastic. But I think I almost guarantee that by the time Matt Murray's contract ends in two years. Leaf fans will be going, well, what the hell were they thinking there? <laughs> and then and then Samsonov, too. Like, it's one thing to bring in one guy who's sort of a reclamation project, but you've got two of them there in net. Like, yeah. wow. I, I'm, I'm not sure that you're, you're – well, I know for a fact your goaltending is not as good as it was last year based on last year's stats, mind you. Of course, we're all doing this based on what happened last season. But I just – I cannot see that being strong enough – to help the Leafs. I, I, I can't, I can also see it being a full on 
platoon situation. I don't know that one of them, well, we know that Matt Murray can't play more than 50 games. He's never done it. I don't know that that, uh, that Samsonov is a number one. I think it's 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 Garth Orge and Rance Molinix in the net for the Leafs this year. Yeah, I think somewhere along the way, Kyle Dubas got it into his head with all the analytics. I think he got it into his head that, you know, he watched uh, I don't know, Niemi get a Stanley Cup ring in Chicago and said, you know what, you really actually only really need an ordinary goalie to win it all. Invest the money in the other things. Man, that is, that's crapshoot because it so rarely happens. I mean, it happens, but not very often. You know, you just, you think about Trent Dilfer winning a Super Bowl as a quarterback <laughs> with the Baltimore Ravens. Well, they, it doesn't happen very often is my point. So he's, uh, he's out on a limb and I don't think he'll survive in two years if the Leafs don't take that next step and get to that conference final in the next two years after going with these two in nets, I think that that will be the end of the line for Kyle Dubas. In fact, I'm a little surprised he got got another chance this year, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, you got a point there, too. And the blue line, those guys are getting older. Mm -hmm. Muzzin's not getting any younger. Giordano's not getting any younger. Yeah, okay, you got Ryan Ryan O'Reilly. You got got Riley, but I just, I don't know that they're, they better get Sandine locked up. I I thought Labushkin gave them some quality minutes, but Victor Mete's not the answer. On your blue line for sure. So and, and neither is uh, is uh, Jordy uh, Ben. I just uh, I, they they don't look good to me. Not that I care one way or the other, but I'll, I will look forward to seeing the Senators uh, beat them next year regularly. Moving on to the Boston Bruins as we continue with summer in the Atlantic to wrap up the program. Uh, I'd say if the Sens are going to get back to the playoffs next year, obviously they're going to have to catch. One of the playoff teams that's just in from last year. And if you ask mo- most people who that, what team that, that will be, I think most would say the Bruins. And that's partly because, uh, but like for example, the chance that Patrice Bergeron may retire, more on him in a second, is partly because of the injuries. Their best defenseman and best forward, arguably Charlie McAvoy and Brad Marchand, out both of them till at least December 1st. Marchand has a hip injury, McAvoy with a shoulder. Matt Grizzlick out until November with a shoulder injury. But the Bruins uh, offseason took a turn for the better in the last uh, week here. Patrice Bergeron didn't retire. He signed a one-year deal with the club. David Krejci, who took a year off to play back in Czechia, he has returned. And they they basically signed those two guys a one-year deal worth a combined $3.5 million. Hello, hometown discount. Even with that, the Bruins are still $2 million over the cap as we speak. But uh, suddenly, you know, the Sens had the you know, bit of an advantage there. You know, the top six in Ottawa is fantastic. But, but Boston looks pretty good too, Greg. Marchand, Taylor Hall, David Pasternak, Jake DeBrusque. And they even brought in Pavel Zaka from the Devils. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Haula was dealt to the Devils in exchange for Zaka. And Zaka was a line mate of Pasternak on the national team. So he might get some top six love in there as well. And, and maybe best of all, he makes Pasternak happy. And that's a big deal because Pasternak is a UFA next summer. Krejci might be part of that as well. Although I wonder, with Bruce Cassidy getting fired and Jimmy Montgomery being brought in, I wonder if maybe Krejci wasn't that big of a Butchie fan. Mm-hmm. To go away like he did, to go play at home, and then Cassidy gets fired and suddenly he wants to be back in the NHL at 37. Seemed, I don't know, a head scratcher to me. Anyway, guys they let walk include former Senators Curtis Lazar and Josh Brown and Anton Blid. So there's your 
Bruins offseason that was. Any thoughts out of any of that? Well, I think if the the young goaltender continues to develop, they they should be okay there. The kid did really really well, and I'm of course drawing a complete blank on his name, but I Jeremy like Swayman. That's the guy. Um, but they they got some age and some injury. E- even guys who are who are supposedly healthy, uh, there's there's injury potential up front. There's age up front. That uh, how many more years can you get out of Patrice Bergeron at the highest levels? Is Pasternak really going to stay? I like the acquisition of Zach. I agree with you on that one. And yeah, maybe that does appease Pasternak. But is he going to price himself out of the market there in Boston and going to get to a stage where, okay, let's move this guy now because uh, we're not going to re-sign him? So that's one to keep an eye on because his name was floating around since since the trade deadline as being somebody that Boston might be looking to move. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens there in negotiations with re-signing of, of Pasternak. But but I'm with you. They're the team that most likely is going to go backwards in the standings this year compared to last year. I think uh, Washington slips a little. I think Pittsburgh slips a little. There's enough teams there that are going to slip enough that uh, if if you have a good 10, 12, maybe even a 15-point rise here in Ottawa, you're putting some heat on some people, and you might just be breathing down, the, down their necks looking at a playoff spot. I think you'll see a big spike out of the Islanders and the Red Wings, too, who did not make the playoffs. So it's not just the eight that got in. It's some guys, some teams that did not. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting year for sure. Some NHL news to close it out. A a hat trick of NHL news items. First of all, I'm sure you join me in uh, wishing Rory Salming all the best. He announced today that he has ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And uh, there's a guy, what a terrific player through the 70s and 80s, right in the wheelhouse of our childhoods. And uh, any memories of Borea Salming from back in the day? You know, it sounds sad, but I remember the night when he got the skate in the face. You remember that, Steve? Oh, like yeah. Like 250 stitches or something. My God, it was terrible. But yeah, I can yeah. remember him coming over. I was I was a Toronto boy at that time and a, sorry, a Leaf fan uh, when Borea Salming joined the Leafs. <laughs> Salming and Hammerstrom came over and... Uh, I also remember, I remember, we talked about this in the show once. I was watching the 72 Canada-Russia series a little while ago, and on my DVD set, it includes the game they played against Sweden. And there's Borja Salming playing for the Swedes, just a kid. Like, he was a good player, like, from day one. This guy could play. And it was a coup for the Leafs to get him. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and again, we wish him and his family all the best. Uh, that's going to be a tough road ahead for Borja Salming. And, uh, yeah. What else can one say? That's a tough deal, a tough, uh, tough hand mm-hmm. to draw. Max Pacioretty out six months with an Achilles injury. Uh, Carolina got him for a song, almost basically Vegas just unloading him because they had cap hell. And I don't know, I find I've, I've been looking, I've been searching everywhere. Like, did, did he hurt himself golfing? Nobody's talking about exactly, <laughs> you know, if this was a season, if this is an injury that was bugging him at the end of the season, well, they missed the playoffs. And the season ended for them in May. So why the hell are we talking about this starting up in in August? If in fact it happened uh, as a hockey injury, I'm keen to know what what exactly happened here. What about you? Well, I I actually have a little bit of insight on this one, Steve. Good. I, I know of a, of a national hockey player who who always had a labrum problem, mm-hmm. and it was rotator cuff and shoulder. And every summer, it would be a decision had to be made. We're we're going to either go to surgery or we're going to try rehab. And a lot of times what they do is they say, well, let's try the rehab for a month or two and see how that goes and then make a decision. So I have a feeling that's probably what happened here. 
with Pacioretty. It was he was on a on a rehab program, which probably affected the price that uh, that Carolina paid to acquire him. And then the decision was made. Well, you know what? It's not really working. Let's go to Plan B and and do the surgery. I, I'll bet that's what happened. And it happens a lot more often than you than you realize in the National Hockey League, where guys try it one way and then switch, and it's surgery. That's why you get these announcements of surgery. You know, like a a month or two, or in this case four or five months after you think it would have happened anyway. He's not a doctor, ladies and gentlemen, but he's more than prepared to play one here on the radio. That's good. I like that one. That's a good theory. And to close it out, I, I'm surprised, honestly, the New York Rangers have decided to come up with a captain. You have an idea how long it's been. Ryan McDonough was their last captain. Mm-hmm. feels like he's been in Tampa Bay for the last eight years, but uh, McDonough was the last guy. And finally, they got around to giving the captaincy out full-time. Jacob Truba got it. This is a team that has Artemi Panarin. This is a team that has Mika Zibanejad, and maybe most of all, Chris Kreider, who mm. seems to be a guy that you might look at, a guy who had 50 goals last year, a guy who looks like he can stare through you, um, tough, uh, clearly insistent on excellence. And I'm surprised one of those three guys Maybe didn't get it because Truba was a member of the Winnipeg Jets like three years ago. Um, these other guys have been Rangers a lot longer. What did you think of Truba as a choice? Well, just like you, the the, the first thing I thought of was Kreider. I, I, and I'm just, I'm wondering, like, are we bad because we're looking at the negative instead of the positive that maybe Jacob Truba brings some leadership skills and he's a great guy in a room and a quality person and all that sort of stuff. Instead, we're looking at him. Well, why the hell isn't it Chris Kreider? Does that mean he's not a good leader? Is he a whiner? Is he bad in the room? You know, it makes you wonder about these things. I can, I don't know, maybe it's an old school bias. I can sort of understand why it wasn't one of the two Euros, but I'm with you. I would have thought you're getting, you're naming a captain. It's Chris Kreider, but obviously there's something there that, uh, that Jacob Truba brings more, or maybe there's a deficiency to Chris Kreider. We have absolutely no qualifications to decide who the New York Rangers should choose as their their captain. I haven't spent I, I, I spent time with Zibanejad, but that's it. Everybody else we're talking about here, I haven't spent one second with. But I'm more than prepared to jump in front of a microphone and say, "Truba, that's crazy." <laughs> of course, it might be the best possible selection. So, but it is from an outsider's view a bit of a head scratcher. But I'm sure they have their reasons to have gone with him, and uh, I'm sure he'll concuss anybody who comes along who second guesses him because that's what Jacob Truba does. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for today's Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. A couple of things, the Sens Nation Hockey website, sensnationhockey.com. Also want to also do a little better job cross-promoting. I also do a podcast, as you well know, Greg, a daily one. This is a pretty hardcore Sens show. And if you like um, top stories, reactions on a goofy side, um, check out the Steve Warren project. Um, that's at stevewproject.com. And as well, I've also put out, uh, I don't know, what do you see, your plaque, your shingle, whatever it is, capitalpodcast.ca. You can check out that website if you have any interest at all in starting your own podcast and would like a little help. My new company, capitalpodcast.ca, is there to serve you and get you up online so that's a lot of plugging you got anything you want to plug right now maybe our golf game tomorrow yes we're playing golf tomorrow at the Rito view Uh, let's get out of here and i look forward to seeing you on the golf course tomorrow and uh, thank you ladies and gentlemen for being with us today we'll talk to you next time thanks greg thank you sir thanks for being with us on the jim k ford sends nation podcast 
If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SendsNationHockey.com.